Alrighty. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the eight. This is a pretty different um, eight that will come today, and I'll kind of share the details of this in a second. But I think all of us can agree um, the Bible can be very confusing at times. Some people are so confused by the Bible that they say, well, yeah, that's, that's why I left the faith altogether. That's why I left Christianity altogether. Let me just change that. Any better? Okay. So I know people personally, I think you know people too, that just said, well, yeah, that's why I left Christianity altogether. Because every time I try to open the Bible, like everyone comes and tell me I need to read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. I don't even know what I'm reading. Like, there's, it's like a different language, even though it's in English. I don't even understand what I'm reading. It's super confusing. It makes zero sense to me. And some people kind of just said, well, that's why I stopped reading the Bible. And some people say, well, you know, I, I'll just be a good person. Like, I'll, you know, I'll be nice and kind and loving to others. But I don't need to dive deep into everything that's in the Bible because it's kind of confusing to me. But I'll just be a good person. Some other people say, well, I'll just do the church thing. You know, I can go to church, you know, to, to lift me up, to kind of refresh me, to reset me spiritually. But all the Bible stuff, like, I know Jesus is God. I know he's good. But, like, I don't need to get deep into all of that. So there's all these different, like, feedback that I've, I've, I've heard personally. I'm sure you know people maybe you live with or family or friends, coworkers, who maybe have said something along those lines. But the problem is, like, not the problem. But when you look at scripture, we lose sight that it is a wide array of collection of different manuscripts, of different collections of writings by different people over multiple centuries, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. But there is still the synergistic element of man and God writing this. So you see all these elements kind of being put together. Add on top of that, there is a historical context. Add on top of that, there's a cultural context. When you look at some of the writings, it helps us understand, like when we're reading something that in our time seems so polarizing. But, well, let's take a step back. Why did St. Paul write this way? Or who is his audience? So we need to ask all these questions. So I'm saying all of this is that there are so many different layers on how we can look at the word of God. There are so many different layers and so many different approaches to looking at the Word of God, which all of it can be edifying. I can look at it from a historical perspective. I can look at it from a scholarly perspective. And ultimately, I need to look at it from an edifying, nourishing perspective of how does this feed my soul. And the good thing about our faith walk, the good thing about our spiritual health, is I can take the same passage and read it from a second grade level, read it from a high school perspective, and read it for someone who has been following Christ for decades, and I'm able to find edification through it because I'm able to go deeper into it, especially, especially when I add on top of that, looking at the meditations and writings of the early church. This helps me give a full context understanding of what scripture is talking about. So for this morning, I want to share with you a very simplistic passage that we'll kind of break down together that St. Paul wrote to the Hebrews. So this is a group of early Christians around, uh, around Jerusalem that he's writing to empower them, for them to persevere in their faith. Because something we can relate to is that when things are good, sure, I can do the whole church thing, I can do the whole service thing, but when things go south, when things are not as smooth, 
it's easy for us to be like, well, yeah, I mean, why should I do faith altogether? I, I, I have been let down. Like, I, what I prayed for, the exact opposite happened. So St. Paul is trying to empower those early Jesus followers for them to persevere in their faith. So stick with me as we'll kind of highlight various elements of this passage. Therefore, brothers and sisters, this is St. Paul kind of opening up and empowering these early Christians. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and we pause right there. He said, we have confidence now to abide in Christ through his blood. And then later on, he's going to talk about his body. What is all this? This is the Eucharist. This is liturgical worship. He's like, now we have confidence to come together as his children to partake of him mystically. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, which is the altar, which is the church, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, so I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, and we're not going to go through every element. So it's okay if it's confusing, but that's a good thing. As we grow in, in maturity, we can go deeper and deeper into all the elements. But, saying, but what is St. Paul saying so far? He's saying, we have confidence to enter into heaven now. There is no more barrier between us and heaven. Heaven came down to redeem us, to lead us back to our eternal home. But this has been accomplished through his body and through his blood, and we are invited to partake of that in a divine, mystical reality. He continues. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings. St. Paul's not telling them, let us draw near to God and have faith. No, he's saying, be sincere. We need to make sure that we are authentic. We are coming with our, the realness of who we are. The good parts, the broken parts, the shameful parts, we need to come with all of that with full assurance. We need to come with sincere hearts and a full assurance of faith. Do you know why St. Paul didn't say we need to come with faith? But he adds, we need to come with full assurance. For these early Christians around the year 55 AD, which is approximately when this manuscript is written, when this epistle is written, their full assurance of faith is the reality that Jesus has overcome death by his own death. To them, the reality of their faith is a concrete divine reality because of the resurrected king. It's because of the resurrection. Now faith is concrete. It's tangible. And I mentioned this before, but every time I have a conversation with a post-Christian, someone who's kind of walked away from faith or questioning their faith, I say, let's kind of start with the resurrection. If we have full confidence and enough evidence to be fully on board on the reality of the resurrection, that should change how we look at everything. That should change how we look at ourselves. So for St. Paul to write, we have full assurance of faith. We're not talking about divine spirituality that's up in the clouds or in cards or in, uh, in what's the thing, uh, the, what's the thing um, like when your birthday and your stone, what's the thing called? Huh? Birthstones, I guess. I don't know. But all this kind of funky stuff, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like people just say, oh, like, oh, that's your person because you were born here and it lines up with the, you know, the, the, the stars and all the kind of. 
Zodiac sign. There we go. Sorry. So, yeah, you know what, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, what are we talking about? This is not faith. You're, you're talking about faith into something you can't grasp. St. Paul's talking about full assurance of faith that we're able to grasp. It's a reality because of the resurrected king. This has changed the life of the 12 apostles. This, this has changed the lives of hundreds of other men and women because of the reality of there being an empty tomb. That is full assurance. This is what gives us our definition of hope and life. Moving on. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We're not going to dive into this, but he's on the sacramental life of the church. Through the elements of holy water, through body, through his, through his blood, we're able to renew ourselves through these divine sacraments. But moving on. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He didn't have to add without wavering. He could have easily just said, hold fast to the confession of your hope. He could, said, he, he could have easily just said, hold on to hope. Right? Everyone can agree on that. Hold on to hope. Your coworkers and friends who are not Christians, they can also say, yeah, we should hold on to hope. If you ask the follow-up question, what is hope? Everyone has their own definition. For, for, from the Christian worldview, hope is a person. For St. Paul, it continues. He's saying, let us ask the confession of our without wavering because he understands us because he is one of us. St. Paul's saying, let's not waver because he gets it. When circumstances come, we kind of weaken our trust in him. When things are good, we're good. But he's, he's trying to empower them not to waver, not to allow your trust to be anchored to circumstances. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. <laughs> Basically, St. Paul's saying, don't overthink this. He promised that he is the resurrection and the life. Okay, we're in good hands. He promised us that he has come to, to, to relieve us of, of the burden that's upon us. Okay, we're in good hands. He told us that we will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. Okay, let's hold on to that promise. So St. Paul is, is clearly connecting it to the reality of the resurrected king. And let us consider how we may spur one another. Some definitions say how we can encourage one another, inspire one another. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Here is one of the 120 times in which St. Paul says, one another. This gives us a glimpse that our pursuit of the divine requires one another. So let us spur one another. Let us encourage one another. Let us inspire one another. There's this early Christian um, saying, which scholars cannot determine who said it, but they found it in early manuscripts. The saying is this, one Christian is no Christian. One Christian is no Christian. We do not know who said it, but we do know it comes from the first century of Christians. We don't, we, we don't, we don't, know, we don't know the author. But the whole idea of saying, I'm a Christian, one Christian is not a Christian. To follow Jesus requires one another. So just in this passage, St. Paul is talking about the, the, the sacraments, the mysteries of how heaven has came down to earth and we are able to partake of him and we should have full confidence and full hope without wavering. 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Here's the thing. Not giving up meeting together. And this is why I chose this passage. He didn't say we should get together. He said, do not give up. Do you know, you know, like when someone says, like if you're running a marathon, someone says, don't give up. We're basically saying this is hard stuff. And your natural reflex is to pull to the side and say, I'm done. So for someone says, don't give up, you're acknowledging this is hard and we need to push through. So for St. Paul to use the same words, do not give up meeting together. He acknowledges that, yeah, you've had a long day of work and you just want to go home and eat and watch Netflix. And he's saying, don't give up. He's saying, St. Paul also understands when we say, well, I'm going to sit there and open up and talk to other people. Like, I feel like I'm the only one, I, I feel like I don't want to be there and I feel judged or I'm, I'm, I don't even, I don't even know anything of the Bible. Like, I'm not going to go there. Everyone else probably knows and they're probably like professional Christians and they go all the time and I don't, I don't know anything. I'm still kind of questioning my faith. I don't think I should go. And then St. Paul says, do not give up on meeting together. We give ourselves excuses, right? And we subconsciously say, that's good enough that I come to church on Sunday. You want me to do something else outside of that? Like, come on. And St. Paul says, do not give up because he understands our weakness. He understands that we come up with these great elaborations of why I should not attend this group or why I should not do something, you know, in addition to Sunday church. He gets us because we all have these fabricated reasons. I don't want to call them excuses because that's disrespectful, but we have these fabricated reasons of why we can't. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot. I know you've had a long day of work. I know you've had a long day of school. And the last thing you want to do is get back in your car and then go to God knows house and sit in the living room and talk about God knows what. I get it. But then St. Paul encourages these early Christians to not give up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together as some, and he calls out some group, as some are in the habit of doing. He's calling out some group, right? He says, some have a habit of not, of not getting together. Some people are just in the habit of just barely doing the minimum to pursue God and not doing any other spiritual exercises. Some are in the habit of doing that, but you don't give up. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He said, do not give up meeting together and encourage one another especially in the context that this world is temporal. So he gives, he, he wraps all of this thing. You come together, not to talk about the weather and politics and, and, and just have coffee and call it a day. No, but make sure it's in the context of knowing we are here as tourists. We're here temporarily, and eventually we will go to our eternal home. So let this be the driving force. Let this be the catalyst of why you're coming together. Why am I doing all of this? This is an extended commercial for you to sign up for life groups. <laughs> because you have reasons why you should not, and I get it. But I'm encouraging you, not me, let's take the words of St. Paul, not to give up meeting together, but encourage one another. What if you signing up for a life group, forget about you, what if it makes an impact on someone else? You say you don't want to go because you got a lot and it's busy. I, I, I'm with you. Cool. 
What if just your presence attending life group might encourage someone else to take that next step toward God? Just so we're all on the same page. As you see from the early church, liturgical worship is the centerpiece, but taking the words of St. Paul, as we see from the first century church, do not give up meeting together, but encourage one another. And the context of all of that is looking for the age to come. So the church had these two elements hand in hand. Liturgical worship, where they're coming together in rows facing, facing eastward, and they also had the element of coming together in circles, in conversation together. So we need both. If I do one without the other, I'm incomplete. I'm missing out. So I need both need to come together. So beginning next Sunday, we're beginning a series titled Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State. Because the enemy of our state, of our mental state, our emotional state, our marital state, our emotional state, is, in the words of Jesus, the prince of this world, which is Satan. He is deceiving us, sometimes without us even realizing. But for us to talk about the battles and the tension and how the enemy is always at work and pulling at us in every direction. This will be the context that we're talking about five weeks at the eight. But it's not about just you know, us having content and talking about it and then you have your coffee and call it a day and we just meet back up here next Sunday. No, but we need to, again, in the words of St. Paul, not to give up meeting together but to encourage one another. I promise you, we need this. There's somebody else who already signed up for a life group who needs you to feel encouraged and to go. So the logistics of this, there are nine options of life groups to choose from, including one that is purely on Zoom. Obviously, it's not ideal, but I understand. God bless, there's some people in our church family who literally, literally drive 50 miles one way in order to come to church. So I understand, like, there's a limitation to that. When you get in for work at 6, and then you're not going to drive two hours to, 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 to go. I get it. But you're still not wanting to give up meeting together. So we can take advantage of the blessings of technology, and there is a Zoom option. But there's eight other options. In my home, this doesn't apply to anyone here, I don't think, but it's for 18 to 22 is the age group that I'm, I'm focusing on that I'll be hosting and, and my house. But we're not legalistic. They have to be I mean, just around that age. There's a group of those who are in their mid-20s and 30s. There's another life group for that. Those are the only two life groups that are age-specific. All the other ones is for everyone and anyone. But, like, so I encourage you. It's not age, there's no age limit. Like growing up when I used to live in D.C., the groups I was a part of, I enjoyed being in groups when there were, there were 60-year-old men in the group, and I'm just a punk kid in college, um, and, I, and I was just like, why am I in the same group with this guy? But I learned so much from hearing from them. Actually inspired me to be a, a, a father and a husband when I saw them, and it, because they were opening up and sharing their struggles, and it really inspired me, and I'll never forget them, because it really touched me. So those groups had a big impact on my spiritual health, and I want this for you. I want this for myself. I'm in need of this more than anyone. Like, this is one of my favorite things that we do at St. Mark Church, is life groups. It's, you're probably thinking, yeah, you know, you're a professional Christian. Of course, it's easy for you to talk about this, right? Of course, you're going to say, we should sign up for a life group, right? That, maybe that's what you're thinking. Okay, you know what? That's why I'm going to stop talking. Because 
for you, my words might seem very little. Of course, Father Nate's going to tell us that we need to sign up for a life group. So instead of hearing it from me, I'm going to bring up some people to share their perspective to life group. I have a few questions. I, 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 I asked them uh, one question for each one of them to share their thoughts about life group just for you to have a, a glimpse of it. And hear me out. I don't want you to feel guilty if you end up not signing up for a life group. I'm here to cheer you on and encourage you as your spiritual father of wanting you to take this step spiritually. But if you're not ready, I'm, I'm here. Like, I don't want you to feel guilty or shameful or whatever. But talk to me, and I'm, I'm here. But I'm telling you, this is the rubric of the early church. And this is open for everyone and anyone. Some people ask me, well, you know, I'm not really part of the church family or I'm not an Orthodox Christian. This is the best thing to invite a coworker or a family or a friend who is not an Orthodox Christian, even those who are questioning their faith. This is the best thing to invite them to, just to have open, real, safe conversations together. In each life group, there is a facilitator, there is a lead who is guiding the conversation throughout the entire session. So, and, and by the way, if whoever needs babysitting, there'll be babysitting. There'll be light refreshments uh, at, at all the life groups. So that, that way you feel comfortable and casual. It's, it's nothing that's going to be daunting. So I would like to pull up Amir for question number one. Uh, let me get a mic here. So my first question I, I asked Amir for him to share his thoughts too, is that some people feel super anxious about going to life group because um, they feel like, well, I don't know the same stuff like everyone else. Like, or, you know, I just became an Orthodox Christian. Or I'm not even an Orthodox Christian. And I can't even tell you the last time I opened the Bible. So why should I even go to this thing when I feel like everyone else knows what they're talking about and I don't? So that's kind of the question that maybe I've heard, I've heard from different people. And maybe we're thinking that. So I asked Amir to kind of share his thoughts to that question. So probably a disclaimer. I've had probably several members of our live group approached me before when they knew I was going to be talking and kind of told me, are you going to really say this or that? So they thought I was, I was the guy that's going to let the cat out of the bag kind of thing, including my wife. So, but think about it this way. So if you're scared, have you ever, have you ever had questions in your mind? Where does God come from? Is this Old Testament really right or wrong? All these things that are being said about in the Old Testament about killing and women and uncleanliness. Um, have you thought about your purpose on life and what does that mean? Have you even thought if Judas was a good guy or not? And we know we've had these. But here's the thing. Were you able to even say any of these things out loud in a group setting? and feel safe. And what we've seen in the live group, I, I, we've been doing live groups now for the last two, three years, we've asked all these questions. Every single one of those that I've saw, we talked about, and much more, were asked. And you have a spectrum of questions from really high, deep, and, and you know, insightful um, religious theories to something very trivial about whether I'm gonna, how do I raise, you know, my kid in a certain way, or am I going to heaven or hell type of questions, elementary. So we've seen that progression, and the cool thing, and, and just like Father Nate was saying, you have different people with different perspectives inside the life group that are able to give you 
um, a little bit of insights. And I don't think, and trust me, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that was known in Sunday school growing up, I was the what if guy. So I'm, I'm the guy that comes in and says, well, what if aliens land? What are we going to do? Does that disprove the Bible or not? Right? And then you can see, I, I've driven away many, many Sunday school teachers. <laughs> you know, hopefully not out of faith, but, you know, at least. So I, I know that. And trust me, there is no dumb question. And it's perfectly safe, and we have a lot of fun. And then our life group, I think, um, a lot of cool things came out of it. Um, a bunch of us went to the monastery together. Uh, a, a lot of the people in the life group went to the family camp together. Um, the weight loss competition that many of you are participating in started in the life group. So we have a lot of, it's a lot of very good interactions and um, there are a little bit of food, a little bit of coffee, a little bit of laughs, drinks, and even when you have really tough times, We've seen people tear up and cry and share openly. So hopefully you have nothing to fear. Um, if you thought anything you're saying is dumb, trust me, it's been asked. And we have those special people in the life group. I know one of them very dearly to my heart. And she asks a lot of great questions every single week. Yeah, <laughs> But that's it. Yeah. So, as Amir mentioned, there are so many different aspects to a life group. Yes, yeah, some life groups, the leader is focusing on just the content of what we're talking about. And some have, you know, a, a different feel to the point that it's, it's, they've really, really connected at a deep level to the point of challenging each other to lose weight and stuff like that. So, it's great. So, there's so many different things and so many elements to each life group for us to kind of grow together over five weeks. And God willing, it continues to strengthen friendships and relationships beyond that. But I want to pull up Sam, if you don't mind, or, uh, sorry, or either one, Sam or Amani. Uh, Sam, Sam, come, come. Let me ask you this question. I wanted to ask Sam, on a personal level, what impact has life groups had on you spiritually or personally? Um, well, first of all, I want to I thank Amir because uh, what he's saying about being comfortable is true. Um, you may not feel comfortable the first time or even the second time, but eventually you will. Um, so for me, on a personal level, the, these life groups have been attending three years. Um, so there, there are levels of people in that room. Um, and it doesn't really matter because what's happening is someone asks a question that I've been wanting to ask for years and didn't have the courage to And then I find all of these people are discussing that very question that I had, and I couldn't ask it myself. So that's something to take advantage of. Can you hear me? I, I don't want to speak too loud. Um, but so that's number one. So there's, there's going to be questions that, that you've always wanted to ask that are going to come up. And you can listen, and you can participate, and you can ask questions. Um, some people get, we get to the point of, okay, well, here's what the word says, but how do I implement it? How, how do I walk away out of this room and, and live that word? So that was a big deal for me, uh, spiritually. 
So if you look around this room, we're all here for a reason, right? Why are you here, right? You're here because there's something inside of you that's spiritual that you need to feed. And we have a relationship with the liturgy. We have a relationship with Abuna. But if you look around this room, each one of us needs to be connected to as large a group of people as we can. Why? Why do we need to be connected? And, and there's, there's a primary reason, in my opinion, and that's where my growth came from. And that, that reason is I, I come to the liturgy, I take communion, I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling clean, I'm feeling refreshed. And then I go to life group and it's reinforced. What does that mean to be reinforced? It means for the rest of that week, I, you know, hey, I just talked my spiritual life with 10 other people and they feel the same way and they're struggling just like me. And so I go out and, I, and the spirit is with me. It doesn't fade. So that's a, that's a really important thing to, to think about. Our fellowship motivates us to walk what we heard and, and to, I call it, you know, not just talking to talk, but walking to walk. And so if you're with others in a room and, it's, and they motivate you, that spirituality is more intensified and I can go and act upon it for that week. So I'm not going to, there's a million other reasons um, and little things that happen, uh, but I've learned a tremendous amount. I have my spiritual guide sitting back in the back. Uh, so there are people in the life groups who are very deep, very theological, and they understand, they have, uh, they, they keep you focused. And there are guys like me and Demir who like, well, wait a minute, you know, talk about that, you know. And, and then we get into a deep conversation. Sometimes we go down rabbit holes, right? But that's okay, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I come out of there motivated, refreshed, and I learn something. So. All right, Emani. So I wanted to ask Emani personally, what power or what aspect of life group do you enjoy the most? Okay, good morning, everyone. I mean, this is scary to stand up here, but um, hopefully I will give you some insights why I'm here, why I joined um, uh, that my life group, which I really love them. Um, they are brothers and sisters for me. Actually, I was... Uh, um, the person who, um, or the persons who invited me to come to the church, then they invited me to come to the um, life group, um, which is not here today, Mona, my friend. Um, she didn't give up on me. She kept on trying to get me involved. She kept on asking me to come to church. She didn't give up to me. And this is where we need to learn how not to give up when it comes to be surrounded by the people who can support you. So my life group is not only supporting me spiritually, but they are supporting me even emotionally. The, I feel that I have brothers and sisters are standing in my back. Every one of us has a story, and um, I was just, in the beginning, I was just, no, not another love group, not another Bible study group. Um, I don't 
I'm, I'm done. I have a lot. As Abuna said, that I have a lot going on in my life, and I don't need that. Um, but once I stepped into the group which I'm with now, which is Amir, um, Sam, Mela, um, our Sunday, um, Sunday Springs live group. Uh, well, I'm not in Sunday Springs. I live in Sunday Springs, but I choose this one because I said, ah, oh, you know, let me go and try this one. It's on Sunday. I'm out anyway. But now, this is my motivation every Sunday to get out of my bed and come to church because I know I have my life group. My life group supported me a lot. Um, definitely every one of us has a story. And when they are sharing their stories with me, when I'm sharing with them my stories, we are encouraging each other. We are relating everything to whatever our faith is. And even if we are struggling, because we all are struggling, we all have this suspense, suspecting part in our hearts about what we hear, about what, how church is going, how everything, like we are, we are struggling. Uh, we, no one is perfect. But when I struggle with other people who are supporting me, supporting, really supporting my faith. We are laughing, we are joking, as um, they said, but I walk every Sunday from this Bible uh, or, or life group uh, with a new spirit. Uh, you are recharging your soul, you are recharging your life. You have really something very special when you go and um, uh, go out of these groups. So definitely, it's a very important, definitely it's something you all should consider if you are not yet. And if you didn't like this group, you can choose another group. And if not, I mean, we are very special group Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, Sunday spring group, eh? we are here. <laughs> Please come and join us. Um, yeah, and uh, I think this is um, the group uh, which I feel like I belong to. I really feel that this is my group, and hopefully we'll continue. Hopefully we will just keep on growing together and uh, fighting together and uh, discussing uh, tough stuff together. And But we love each other, and I love you guys, and I love everyone. Please, please surround yourself with people who can really help you and support you even emotionally. Um, and maybe you can call them to come and uh, uh, move uh, uh, your home with you. <laughs> over pizza. Thank you. I'll, I'll end with something personal. Is when uh, certain people start fading away from God and the church because their faith has been crushed. And they tell me, you know, no one even checked upon me. No one even realized I haven't been at church for three months. Of course, it breaks my heart when I hear that. But then it also empowers me and motivates me even more of why life groups are essential. In the Orthodox Church, there is no such thing as mega churches. In the Orthodox Church, there's no such thing as mega churches. Because the whole idea is to, for there to be personal connections. Right? So for a church family to grow, I'm not Pastor Nathaniel, but I'm Father Nathaniel. There needs to be a relationship 
together, for all of us together. So there has to be groups for us to grow together and for us to, to encourage each other, spur one another, encourage one another. As St. Paul said, this has to happen in life groups for us to grow together. So, of course, I'm, people are going to, sometimes I'm, I'm going to lose sight. And unfortunately, yes, it's part of my weakness, but it's also part of the growth of the church as well. So what helps us connect together and help us be there for each other? Don't wait until tragedy or hardships come and then I have no one there for me. Take preventative steps now for us to lean on on each other. We need it through our struggles in this world, and you have no idea of the impact you might have on someone else who is in need of you. I am very excited about this new series that begins next Sunday. The topic, the theme is very, very personal. I think we can all relate to it. Regardless, if you're an Orthodox Christian or wrestling with your faith or you walked away from faith, I feel this topic in this series is going to impact all of us. So let's stand together and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you have created us in the most beautiful way for us to be in need of each other. Lord, you have said that it is not good for us to just be alone or in isolation. Lord, thank you for giving us the power of your church, for us to come together to lean on each other and for us to lean in towards you and for us to find life in you. Lord, I pray for all the life group leaders who are sacrificing their homes, their time, their, their, their preparation. Lord, I ask that you reward them and bless them. Lord, we pray for those who have signed up for life groups, Lord, that you prepare their hearts for what will come. Lord, we pray for those who are on the fence if they should sign up or go or not. Lord, I ask that you reveal to them the power of these groups together and for you to touch them. Lord, renew us, forgive us, and do something big within us this Lent season as we prepare ourselves to walk on this beautiful journey to celebrating your resurrection. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone. You guys have a great week. For the life group leaders, we're going to be having a meeting. For those who are leading the life groups, we'll be having a meeting. In